Welcome to Movement Scientists. And that is Helen Baylor singing More Than a Friend. I love this song so much. Um, it is an old song. That um, I love, I miss the music of the 90s. Um, not just um, from her, but from me. Or um, uh, from what do you call it? From uh, the 90s R&B. It is so glorious. It creates a nice ambience, you know. I love listening to it. And so it's a blessing to listen to Helen Baylor. And so we are back. Welcome to Movement Scientists. Um, um, we are going to be discussing movements. And every week we will have a movement we are discussing. And I want you to understand about movements. Movements are spirits. Okay? And all these spirits come. It's weird. We still do not know the sources of spirits. But we know that um, they are within the cosmos. And people will be like, oh my God, what are you saying? Yes. Every movement, every ideology, every philosophy, every idea is a spirit. It is a movement. It is a, it's an understanding. You know, it is inner. You know, it's internal. And people, when they uh, have an idea, they, it comes from the mind. It comes from inside. It comes from the spirit. And then it is expressed in the outside through actions, you know, people come in and they do those actions. So, today we want, there are very many um, movements and I want to list some of them. First of all, according to Wikipedia, they have divided them into different categories. So, they are roughly, I did my research one time, so that's why you can hear page. <laughs> laugh out loud so there are different they have categorized movements into different uh, camps so the first one they have is anarchism and the second one they have is conservatism and the third one they have is environmentalism and the fourth one they have is feminism and the fifth one they have is um, LGBTQ movement and the sixth one they have is liberalism. And the seventh one they have is masculism. That is um, men, um, support for men, masculism. And then you have nationalism, the eighth one. And then number nine, we have religious ideologies or religious movements and then number 10 we have socialism and then number 11 we have persons these are movements that are following persons like for example um have we finished all of them i hope yes for example 
when it comes to persons, you have um, people like Assadism. You know, in, in Syria, the Assad family has been ruling that country for over 30 years. And so they have a dogma. They have an ideology. That's what has protected Assad in Syria. It's a very hidden ideology. Not The whole world doesn't know it very well like the Syrians do. So Assadism is the movement that subscribes to the ideologies of Assad's family and his father mostly. And then you have Gaddafism. It's also a person movement. This is because, and most of the times, movements are created when the person stays in power for a very long time and he has a formula of how to rule that place. So people get so used to that formula that the person's system, the person becomes a system. So there's, that's what is called Gaddafism. Okay? And then you have Fujimorism. This was uh, in Japan. And then you have Hitlerism. Hitler didn't last for a very long time, but he had a formula. He had a system. And so people followed him and they worshipped him. That's why when Hitler died, that was the end of the Nazi. Of course, they were defeated, but he and he was crushed, of course, and... Um, Nobody could wake up and say now they want to start the Nazi party again because Hitler was already uh, destroyed. So it was uh, the understanding. That's what you need to understand about Hitler. Then you have Leninism and then you have Marxism and then you have Peronism and then you have uh, Hegelianism and Ismailism and you have... Uh, there are some Martinism, you know. You have also Raelism, very important one for the religious people. And then you have Wycliffism, and you have Darwinism. You see, Darwin had a theory that his theory was that um, we evolved from uh, animal species. That was a theory, and it became a movement because. Many people believed that that is how humans came to being. Of course, it's a theory. It's an idea. It's a spirit. And so you can subscribe to it or you can say, I don't agree with the Darwinism. You know, I listen to guys like Manly P. Hall. And Manly P. Hall says that he doesn't, he doesn't agree with Darwin in some areas. And he's allowed to do that. And even um, I, there are some places I can agree with Darwin because, of course, you see chimpanzees are related to human beings, but it's still not, um, there are some loopholes in the Darwin theory, you know, because, I mean, now the scientists who say that humans came out from, we descended from rats, you know. Others say we descended from other mammals you see so very many people have theories about how the world came to being and when you accept subscribe to a theory it's just like subscribing to a channel on youtube you now start learning or you start saying you agree with the person so darwin 
I know evolution happens. Evolution is true. And it happens every day. The world is always evolving. Everything is evolving. Because um, we are in this cosm called time. We're in something called time. And in time, things change. Some things change very fast. Other things change very slowly. So according to Darwin, he, he had his views about uh, human evolution, which some people don't really agree with. But for me, I don't, I don't really attack him that much. But I, I have also questions for his... Um, of course, most people who use Darwin, they tend to be racist. And that's the problem. It made people hate evolution. Evolution should not be hated. It is science, okay? But some people went and contaminated it with racism. And now when you say you're an evolutionist, they now attack you that you're racist. No, evolution is not racist. It is people who can use evolution for racist um, leanings. Like, for example, the blacks are actually the parents of human beings. The first humans were black. They were African. So that is enough to say evolution of human beings began in Africa. There is nothing racist in saying that, you know. And that's what people need to understand. So Darwinism is one of them. And you also have Wahhabism. Wahhabism is the Arab. Um, it's also another personal movement. And it was led by Wahhabi. Okay, so today... We are going to do nationalism. It is a very common, um, very common movement. It is the it is the movement of the century, not the century, movement of the time right now. Right now, a lot of nationalism is in the air, and we are going to study it in this uh, time of discussion. So, of course, we are very happy with Wikipedia. It is our favorite encyclopedia online. And we thank Wikipedia forever and ever. It is the best idea that has ever been created on the internet for sources of knowledge. And some people tell me, well, but those guys are lying. And I used to, I tell them, every time someone tells me they hate Wikipedia, I tell them, Wikipedia is not what they write. It is the footnotes. That is what it makes Wikipedia great. It's the footnotes. The footnotes are from real books. And so the guy who wrote the article is not writing fiction. He's writing with evidence. And of course, there are some articles which have very few footnotes on Wikipedia. Those are the ones you shouldn't pay attention to. You should pay attention to the article that has a footnote because that is the power of the article it has evidence all right so let's go through this article nationalism is an ideology and a movement there we are movement scientist is working characterized by the promotion of the interests of a particular nation especially with the aim of gaining and maintaining nation's sovereignty self-governance over its homeland Nationalism holds that each nation should govern itself free from outside interference, self-determination, and that a nation is a natural and ideal basis for a polity, and that the nation 
is the only rightful source of political power, popular sovereignty. It further aims to build and maintain a single national identity based on shared social characteristics such as a culture, language, religion, politics, and belief in a shared singular history, and to promote national unity or solidarity. Nationalism, therefore, seeks to preserve and fosters a nation's traditional culture and cultural revivals have been associated with nationalist movements. It also encourages pride. There you are. I know Christians hate that word, but it's not a bad word. It also encourages pride in national achievements and is closely linked to patriotism. Nationalism is often combined with other ideologies such as conservatism, national conservatism, socialism, socialist nationalism, for example. I love this because, of course, let's, let's finish everything here. Um, okay, let's. So you've read that. The most important thing, it is an ideology and a movement characterized by the promotion of the interests of a nation. Interests of a nation. And this is what you need to understand, especially in Africa. Africa has what you call tribalism. Now, people need to understand a tribe is a nation. So, the problem in Africa is not tribalism, it's nationalism. People have interest as a nation, as a tribe. And what is so funny about the word tribalism, right now in America... And in the West, when nationalism has been revived, they are now using the word tribalism because they have realized identity politics has raised its head everywhere in the world. And now people are trying to identify themselves. They are looking for a tribe. And so everybody, and for information, humans are multinational. Okay, you have very you belong to very many nations. You belong to your genetic nation, you belong to your linguistic nation, you belong to your uh, political nation, that is where you're a citizen, you belong to your sexual orientation nation, that is your sexual orientation, you belong to the gay nation, lesbian nation, you belong to your gender nation. You could be a man, a woman, or third sex, or non-binary. You belong to your, those nations. So you find everybody has identity cards from different nations. And then you also belong to a Christian nation, Muslim, atheist. Then in the Christian nation, you belong to another nation called Lutheran. Another one is in the Methodist nation. So you see, we are so mixed up as human beings. We belong to very many nations and so that's what i and the, the problem in africa was that when they used the word tribalism it's because when the the colonialists came they put us in tribes they didn't tell us we were nations and the reason was if they told us we were nations um guys right now you would have the zulu the country of Zululand and the country of Shona and the country of Debele and the country of Maasai 
and the country of Igbo. Igbo land would be a country because every tribe in Africa is a nation. But you see, that would have been impossible because some nations are very small. Secondly, there are so many in Africa. So what they said, to make the nations, uh, what do you call it? To make the nations small, they now gave the nations the name tribes. It was the same in Germany. In fact, Germany, Europe had tribes. For in, as I've told you, um, black Africans are the parents of humanity. So we have tribes and also Asia and Europe have tribes. And they had them. Germany had the most tribes in Europe. And what killed the tribes was language. They started speaking one language called German. They started, that's why Austria speaks German. Because it's German that killed the, the tribes. The language called German. England is worse. There were Celtic tribes. They were the Gaelic tribes. They were the Franks. They were the Romans who went to stay there. They were all of these guys, the Nords, the Nordics, the Dutch who invaded Britain. They all lived in England and they were speaking different languages. And English became, was created out of that cosmopolitan mix. And they started speaking English. And that's when their tribes died. You know? And that's what happened in Britain. And of course, genetically, you know you can be one genetic family, but you can have different languages because of um, because of borrowing from each other and um, divisions. Even we uh, language when you study the origin of languages, uh, you will notice that people could have belonged to one genetic group, but they have fifty languages in that genetic group. You know, like that's how, it, that's how it is in Africa. Africans roughly belong to one genetic major haplogroup. But the number of languages, my goodness, is, an, is madness. And yet they belong to one genetic haplogroup. They look like each other. And uh, so that's what you need to understand that has happened in the world. That just because you belong to one group doesn't mean you will have one language. And this is what is called tribalism. So, I was focusing on tribalism because I was trying to say that your tribe, see it as a nation. And if it is a nation, it will have interests. So, this is why even in Africa we have a lot of politics. People complain about, oh, this guy, they put their tribe in the office, you know. They put their tribe in the office. They put their tribe in uh, big places it's because of nationalism they are nationalistic they are natural they are human beings you see a cow will always put a cow in office it will never put a goat in office i remember my friend in the village and he told when i was with him he told me one day um he put the calf to be with the goat and it slept with the goat for one night. And then when he brought back the calf to stay with the mother, the cow, she refused. She refused the calf. 
and I was and I asked him why, and it's because he the 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 cows sensed this is not a cow. It's smelling like a goat. <laughs> Because the calf slept with the goat that night. And he was like telling me, you see, that's what you need to understand about animals. They detest anyone that is not part of their pack. They know a goat from far. And they know a calf. Even chicken have that behavior. Sometimes you'll find, if you have two hens and they have had chicks, the hen knows who are her chicks. And she will not pick chicks from the other one. Even if she finds it hungry, she will leave it alone because she knows that is the chick of the other hen. So, um, for those of you who don't believe that animals are great thinkers, there you are. They are. They are. There is animal consciousness. We all have it. Yes, we are animals. We are just higher animals or even lower. <laughs> you know, who say that, uh, that human beings are... That we are higher animals. We said it because maybe we build and we do this thing. But there are some things whereby other animals, even animals do better things than us, you know. You know, they know how to, they don't even go to school to take care of themselves. So, it's a, just know you're an animal. Yes, don't, but this thing of higher animals, it's a bit dangerous because it's supremacy. We are trying to say that animals are useless or that we are better than them. When, we, when that's not the case, you know. Yes, that's not the case. How many chimpanzees, or leave alone chimpanzees, how many chicken have killed? Chicken, you know, murdered. Very few, even maybe none. But how many humans have killed humans? Just look at that. Look at how bad we are. You know, if the animals could tell us what they think about us, we can collapse. <laughs> so, forget about this thing called higher animals. Just know we are diverse animals. We are just different from... We are mammals and we behave differently from other animals who are our relatives. Because they are life forms. We are all life forms. So, forget about supremacy. This thing of higher is a dangerous language. Because it makes you feel very high and bloated uh, when it's not supposed to be like that. Okay, so back to tribalism, which is nationalism. So, because the cow wants to be with cows, the tribesman or the nationalist wants to be with someone who shares the same interests. So, if your interest is for the white nation, you will spend time with white people. Okay? That's what you need to understand. If your interest is for the black nation, you will spend time with the black people. And as I've told you, it is the most natural movement. Nationalism is the most natural movement because we are animals. Cows spend time with cows. They will not talk to a lion. They know, first of all, this is our enemy. And that is how the societies have been shaped all through the existence of human beings. We organized ourselves with languages and with genetics. You see how tribes were formed. They are families. We are all related to... First of all, we are one big family as a world. 
That's why I don't support nationalism. I'm a humanist. A humanist is that we belong to the family, the big one family of human beings. That is where we belong. Black, white, gay, straight, man, woman, we are in that family. And I encourage you to join it. You'd rather be a humanist than a nationalist because a nationalist will make, when you're a nationalist, you will hate another nation. Yes, you will now look at someone, oh, you are bad. You're not part of my nation. Like the way the cow did to her child. She hated the calf because it's smelling like a goat, you know. And so that's not how you're supposed to behave, bad cow. No, you have to tell the cow that's bad manners, you know. You are supposed to be friendly to different people. That's how we survive in society, you know. Yes, that's how we survive in society. And, um, of course, we would be like saying, but are you taming the lions? Yes, even the lions need to learn how to. Um, the sad thing about lions is that they don't have another meal. <laughs> yes, they don't have another meal. Their meal is, um, and this is what people need to understand about nature. You know, people say that, oh, creation was good. and But how good was it that lions had to eat other animals, that snakes have to eat rats and that um, they can even eat goats, pythons, you know. So what else? What did you want the animals to eat, surely? Did you want them to eat grass? Look at the lion's teeth. They are so big. I mean, it's like it was designed to eat flesh. See? So that's what people need to understand about the, the, the world nature don't look at nature like oh it's supposed to be good it's a no nature is nature <laughs> and you'll find some animals are they they were designed to eat prey you see that's what you need to understand it's like men and women you know why were men made so muscular you know and and women are not muscular of course people would say it's because to allow compatibility uh, during reproduction but it's more than that you see what has happened it is, it's like women feel like it's a man's world and um, I mean yeah look at that because everybody wants to come up in the man's system you see that's why we are fighting people fight for women's rights because the women are feeling like they are left out because they are not men so you're not a man, so you can't get involved in power. You can't uh, do many things. You can't lead because you're a woman. So you see, whom do you blame? Sometimes you blame the designer. Because if the designer wanted the society, women to lead, then it would have been designed that way. But the beauty of humanity is that we know we are the designers. Don't wait for the designer called God. Design your society and say that no. A woman is a different version of a human being. So, create systems that allow both men and women to lead, and then that's all, you know. That, that's all. A woman is a different human being from a man. And that's why those guys who wrote those books, men are from Mars and women are from Venus, were not wrong. It's understandable. It's weird, but it's understandable. 
Okay, for me, when I say, in fact, how I say it, we are all intersex because your father, you have a man and a woman in your body. Everyone, man or woman, has a man and a woman in their body. The sperm gave a man a Y, which is a, is a small X, and a woman got also an X from a sperm, a big X from a sperm. So, we are all children of two sexes. Therefore, we are two sexes. We have testosterone and estrogen, all of us. It is just in varying levels. That's why now you can see there are women who are more masculine than some men. And there are men who are more feminine than some women. Because we are one. We are intersex. It's just that some of us have one private organ belonging to one sex. Meaning that sex won. You see there was a battle in the, in the conception. The, the father, when you're a boy or a man, it's your daddy who won the war. <laughs> because he gave, it's the dick that won, and you got a dick. And the mother, it's the, when she has a daughter, she'll say, yes, I won here. I, I made sure. No, actually, it's not that way. The father still wins when the child is a girl, because it is him who has decided. He gave the ex, the sperm gave an ex for a girl. Not an X for a man. Okay, that's very complicated. We will show it to you on video in our other channels and not here. So you see how much nationalism can make us go. So there's a, men's, there's a nation of men, nation of women, and all of these things. Now, so, um, today, we just want to focus on that understanding of nationalism to show you that it is about similarities you are sharing the same things the same language the same family the same father and that's what is happening in the world now what are you seeing in america nationalism you see and the one of trump it's not necessarily white nationalism even though white nationalists like him white nationalists like him because he said he's a nationalist. His is American nationalism. And it was seen when Obama was president. He said that he doesn't believe Obama is a citizen of America. Even though America was born, I mean, Obama was born in America, there was a birth certificate. They still didn't believe it. So that's a nationalist. And that's the same word you get, nativist. Native is someone who likes natives. They are so used to native origin. That if you are born in our country, you are our person. If you are not born in our country, you are not our person. So that is what is happening in the world. And it's, it's sad. And it started with, you know what made Trump famous? It was the attack on Obama's nationality. It was not the, um, it was nothing else but that. That's what even made Trump very popular. He was preparing himself. You see, we were sleeping. <laughs> Guys were just seeing Trump and they were wondering, oh, what is this guy saying now? He's so rich. Why does he have to talk? He was preparing himself for the nationalist wave that was coming. 
At that time, I remember, bathers were so few. So few. And now look today. Boris Johnson is going to become the Prime Minister of England. Albeit, there may be a general election because it is... Um, the, 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 the guys who don't like Boris will just say, well, you are just chosen by a few people. We want you to be chosen by the people. So that's, that's another drama coming up there. And I was thinking about Boris Johnson. And the guy was an American. He had an American citizenship. He was, he's, of course, he's British, but he was an American. And he had to surrender. His American citizenship. And I was like, how do you surrender dual citizenship? Dual citizenship is supposed to be a privilege for a citizen. You know? And I was like, why is this guy doing that? You know? That was a few years before he was chosen by Theresa May to be, um, the, um, to be a minister of foreign... I think it was something to do with foreign affairs. So... The guy was, he surrendered his American citizenship. And that was the wave of nationalism. You see? Because guys were like, okay, you're American, but you're also British. And you're a mayor of London. Now, how is that going to work? So you have to surrender your citizenship, your American citizenship. And he surrendered. And I'm like, no, it shouldn't have happened. I mean... And this is just given me even time to discuss, meditate on my own about dual citizenship. What is it about? And is it good that people have it? I think it is good. Reason being, especially with marriage, you know, marriage, marriage laws are very, very important because they create they affect everything in the in the society that's why you see gay marriage is a big people do not know especially those in the third world they do not know what gay marriage the impact it has on the world live alone those countries on the world it is significant because it affects citizenship it affects laws it affects um economy it affects taxation that's what gay marriage has done in america it's a very big issue and the aftershocks are still being felt till today because you can marry like there's this great journalist greenwald in, um, in brazil he married a brazilian and he's an American. And they live in Brazil. And so he's now a Brazilian, but he's also an American. So you see, that's why the concept of dual citizenship was created. Because the world is so international, you may end up marrying someone of another nation. And then you stay with them in another nation. And so you guys have more than three citizenships. That's why I've told you, we are all multinationals. Because... You are, have your gender nation, your sexual orientation nation, your political nation, even a political party. You're part of that nation, you know. And all of those things, you have all that citizenship. 
So that's why I support dual citizenship. But the way Boris Johnson surrendered his American citizenship was the sign that nationalism was really disturbing many humans and is still disturbing them. Okay. Let's, I'm telling you, I can blabber like a blabber. My God. <laughs> so nationalism holds that each nation should govern itself. So basically, nationalism is about independence. And we won't go deep into it today. It's just, this is just, we've just told you what nationalism is. Then we are ending this uh, podcast listing the different types of nationalism. Of course, you've already got the gist of what it is. This is... The purpose of this podcast is uh, just to, 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 to cause you to think, you know. We'll just tell you this is nationalism. Next time, we'll do liberalism. The other time, we're going to do uh, what is called Islamic socialism, you know, Buharism, Cameronism. That is uh, David Cameron. We're going to do those. Castroism, you know. All of these guys, they have their theories. Every president has their, their philosophy of how they deal with things. And so we're going to look at all of them. But we're not going to... This is not a class. This is just... You know, you bring the topic and let it, let it melt on the pan. You know, just let it melt. And that's what we are doing. So nationalism uh, is basically independence. And this is what's happening in Britain. Now... Brexit is a nationalist event. Britain is, pro, is aimed, it wants to promote the interests of Britain. But look at what's happening in United Kingdom. It's the greatest year in their life. Actually, from 2016 till now, they are going through what is called transition. Yamwaka. You know, in Swahili, when you say Yamwaka, it's, it's of the year. It's, it's out of this world. <laughs> it is just great what is happening there. So, they are leaving Europe. And now, Scotland are also nationalists. They want their country. So, by them leaving EU, they will now say, Okay, guys, we are going to leave you alone. And Scotland will stay become a nation then another country northern ireland is also tempted to leave uk because they are very far from uk they are even closer to ireland than uk and they are having a problem with the border right now because if britain leaves eu they have to settle the border between northern ireland and ireland which is war in fact, Northern Ireland has no army to fight Ireland in case that border becomes a problem. And so that's why Northern Ireland is saying, if we leave Britain and then this border becomes... You're joking with land. It's so, it causes wars, you know. Land is so enough to cause a war. All you need is land. Look at what's happened in Israel forever. They are fighting Palestine just because of borders. That's what you need to understand. So that's what you can see in Northern Ireland. There may be another war there because they are not agreeing on the border point in Northern Ireland and Ireland. So that's what's happening to Britain. So now if Scotland leaves the United Kingdom, 
the kingdom is divided. So it will now be back to divided kingdom. And England will only be uh, the nation of UK. And there will be no more UK because Scotland would have left the Union. And the flags will even change. That's what's going to happen. And England may stay with St. George and Scotland with St. Andrew. That's how that all of that is nationalism happening right now. So please understand it's a very important subject that we are discussing. And it's all about interests because everyone is dividing themselves into nations. And so every nation has their interest. And these nations want their interest in that government system. You see? That's what you need to understand. Have you noticed Jeremy Corbyn? If you watch, I love politics, so forgive me. That's why I talk about these things. It's because I, I like politics. Jeremy Corbyn. What is his position about Brexit? You see? He hasn't told anybody. In fact, if they have a general election right now, if Boris succumbs to pressure and allows a general election to take place, and, for example, Labour wins, what will Labour do? Do you know what they're going to have to do? They'll have to have another referendum to decide whether Britain really wants to leave the EU. Are you seeing what's happening? It is. People think the drama is ending. It ain't over. It's going to go on for long and long because of the nationalistic tendencies and not just because of nationalistic tendencies. Because, yes, because of nationalistic tendencies. Because if you stay in Europe, you're basically saying Brussels is the one making the laws for England. That's, the, that's what's disturbing England. They don't want someone making their laws. That's what's their problem. So, now, people would suggest, those who like remaining in the European Union would say, no, this is how you do it. Go to the EU, have your party, and make the laws for Europe. And you don't have to leave Europe. All you have to do is go to the Parliament of Europe and have representation and and do what? And, and make laws. So that the laws that come from Brussels are really laws that reflect British uh, values. And this is the problem of nationalism. People have specific values. The values of Britain are not necessarily the values of uh, France. And that's what happened. In fact, why Britain wants to leave Brexit is because of immigration. Very many issues. Their nation is changing because they are one of the most developed countries in Europe. So, um, the, the problem now was that the immigration law of Europe, the EU, is so relaxed that anybody can go to any EU country. Freedom of movement is the one of the major principles of the EU. So what happened is very many people were going to Britain because they hear life is so good, they see it's lovely, and so they ran to Britain. Britain had to close the doors 
especially with Brexit vote. Because if they didn't vote to leave EU, I mean, if they remained in EU, guys would be running to Britain today. <laughs> like what happened in France, Calais. They were there. They were crossing the channel to go to England. And they knew the law. The law was the moment you land in England, you are, you are in EU. So no one can chase you out. And that was the problem that Britain had then. They said, let's vote to get out so that we close the borders and we deal with this uh, stuff and organize ourselves. That's what happened in Britain. That's what's happened in very many European countries. Nationalism. And as we are going to end, we are going to see the combinations of nationalism and the different types. So basically... That's what's happening right now. It's very, very, very dicey, but very easy to understand. So now look what happened. The hilarious moment in the European Parliament. The party that Britain has in the European Parliament today is nationalist. They want to get out. <laughs> you know, if they put a party that wanted to remain, those guys would have changed the laws to fit British, what the British want. But you see, the problem of the EU is that what Britain wants, Sweden doesn't want. What Sweden wants, Italy doesn't want. You see? So that's the problem. And when somebody notices that they are not getting what they want, they leave. And that's what EU, the Article 51 is all about. If you don't like it, leave. So, and that's what Britain is doing. They, they don't like EU and they're leaving it. And not only Britain, very many countries in European Union, they are having that problem. Um, my solution for EU is what the new president of the EU, uh, the lady, she is advocating for federalism. And I support her for that. I believe Europe can succeed if it is run like America. Because how America is run, the states have their legislative houses, but they all submit to the, uh, to the, to the federal government in Washington, D.C. And so that, that's the federal system of America. It's that they are different. They're independent states. But they, they are connected by a covenant, by a signing, a federal. To be federated is meaning covenant. So they have, a, they have a charter that joins them, even though they're independent. You see some states in America, they even can ban abortion, even though nationally it is not, it's not legal. Because nationally, abortion is allowed. The Supreme Court said that in Roe versus Wade. Uh, but um, now, because of the independence of the states, they are able to craft laws. They can, they can dodge decisions. And this is what's happening right now in America. It's very, very... I'm telling you, politics is getting more complicated by the day. So even guys are now LGBTQ discrimination laws. They, they are making laws that discriminating against gay people. 
in Texas, it has just been signed again that you can use your religion to discriminate. And you see what is going to happen. These guys, the LGBTQ organizations, take these guys to the Supreme Court to challenge them. And then the Supreme Court challenges the states. Now, if these states continue having that trend, there is going to be states that will say to hell with the federal government and we may manage ourselves without you and one of the states that has that temptation is texas very very dangerous state they can do that and decide to leave america so you've got to understand that is what is happening in the the the, the world nationalism everywhere and so i prefer federalism for eu whereby they have one president and a one federal government, like already they have the federal government in Brussels, then all of these countries are states, and you can be free to travel with ed whichever place. Now, that's the problem of Europe. It is not well-developed, balanced, like America. So you find people move to Britain because Britain is very well-developed. And that's what, now you see what Britain has to surrender, its nationality. And that's what happened in America. American federalism is the surrender of nationality. They surrendered their European identities. Pennsylvania was a German state. Virginia, the 13 states of East Coast, I think 11 of them were British. Louisiana was French. California was Spanish. Okay? These were owned by, of course, colonized by European nations. Like Germany is a very, I mean, Pennsylvania is very German. And they were owned by churches and all of these things. So what, was, what, what did they do? When the American Union was created, the federal states of United States of America, these guys surrendered the colonial identity, the, the European colonial identity, and became one country called America. Now, that is what EU is supposed to do. Surrender their nationality. In fact, my answer for EU Surrender your nationalities. Acquire English as the language. Forget all those languages. Destroy them. That's what happened in America. They destroyed German. They destroyed French. They destroyed Spanish. And they accepted English to be the language of running the country. Of course, this is what's happening in America right now. Trump's war with the Mexicans is the Hispanic lingua that is coming and people already are learning spanish that's what's happening in america the 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 whole system is changing because of the hispanic population that speaks spanish you see the blacks they went to america but their languages were destroyed and they only learned english that's why they are not really a threat to the english system because they speak it 
But the Hispanics are coming, and the only thing you know is a hablo. And hola. <laughs> and so they're like, oh my God, this is the end of our mononationality. So that's the war that's, that's in the border. It's the language. And so they are having that problem because of language. So now, if the Hispanics stay there, if the Spanish, the Hispanics come to America and they speak English, do you know Trump will not have a problem? In fact, his problem is that the, these guys are weird. <laughs> they speak Spanish. They don't speak English. And that's what, look at the coast where they are in New Mexico, Texas. They have churches that are Hispanic. They are speaking Spanish. It's new. And, and for information, Trump should be aware that you can be multilingual, but you keep the language English. And that's what's happening. The, you, America is losing the so-called white identity. It's now becoming multicolored. Even Africans who are going to America are speaking their native languages there. So it's, it's over, you know. <laughs> Just accept the world the way it is, you know. We have very many languages. So what I'll tell Europe, get one language. Of course, that doesn't mean to destroy French, but make sure everybody in the in the in the in Europe can speak English, which is what is happening, at least for some of them. Like the young people, teach English in the schools, so that they even though you know you're French, but you can you can relate with a Briton. You can stay in Britain. You see, once you do that, Britain can relax and not block people from coming there because people are speaking english you know and so that's how i that's my solution for the european union they have to federate with one language and everything will be fine it's glorious federalism is good that's what has made america great it's that it's a union of very big nations that are united in purpose they have one army, they have one currency, they have one constitution, and all of that. Now, in America, I mean in Africa, Africa can also do the federal system. Yes, I support it. And that's what Gaddafi... <laughs> this is part two of uh, Movement Scientist's podcast, Nationalism. Sorry, it ended. I, you know, this is a very, it's, it's the spirit of the time. So, you know, when you're reading it, when you're discussing nationalism, it's, it's going to take a lot of time. So we've done part one. I like the, this application. It's very, very good because it times you. And um, I've liked Anchor very much. But because we were really... We don't want to touch nationalism again, so we are going to finish it today, um, even if it means part two. So I was telling you about Gaddafi. Gaddafi also planned to have United States of Africa, which was a good idea because, you see, the biggest problem we have is national borders. How do you have borders on one piece of land? It's madness. 
Yes, it's madness. We are supposed to be united. It's like a house and then you have borders in the house and you say your your only space is allowed you, you you're only allowed access to the room nowhere else and that house has one bathroom you see we are supposed to have an understanding that we share lakes we share mountains we share landforms and so we should be free to be on those landforms like now if you're living in a house and there's one bathroom and then they tell you but for you you'll only stay in your room don't go anywhere else because the borders end in your room now when will you bathe when will you clean up you see it's madness and this is what happens in africa you know you have borders you can't cross from the other side that's why you have refugee crisis in africa it's madness because of borders and so of course the borders are disappearing right now and so Gaddafi's plan was that United States of Africa meaning I can walk to Nigeria and nobody can can stop me you know that's that's how it is in America you can drive you can even walk from Texas to Oregon and nobody's gonna attack you you know yes that's how it should be because you're home you're in one landform called America. So we are in one landform called Africa. But you can't walk from Nigeria to Egypt. Of course, they have been doing that like now with Libya. The crisis in Libya. Go and ask how Nigerians have been going to Libya. It's because of that freedom. But it's not very secure freedom. So Africa has a long way to go as the United States of Africa because we need an interstate highway. Roads that cut these borders, destroy them. Yes. And my suggestion is I like Gaddafi's idea and anybody who has that idea, a federal Africa, its capital can be in Ethiopia, though I know I have issues with Ethiopia. <laughs> in terms of uh, when it comes to LGBTQ rights. But it's or alternative, it can even be South Africa, you know, the most human humane country in Africa. You have it there, and then people travel to that. There's a parliament, there's a house, Washington, D.C. of Africa. You know, you create it. And then every country is a state. They have no borders they have no strict national borders. You see, when you have a national border, it means you have a national army. You see? That's what you have. Then what do you do with the armies? The armies will be put in one African army called the UA Armed Forces. United African Armed Forces. And they stay together in their barracks intelligence of africa will change so it's a long process it may even take 200 years because language has to be one and people have to have one intelligence so that's what you call um of course pan-africanism is that idea that africa should be one but for pan-africanism pan is also nationalism uh, but for it to succeed very well it should surrender 
its national interest. That's what I've told you. That's what America did. America surrendered. The, the states in America surrendered their interests for the federal government. That's what you should understand. Wow, it's going to be a great world. There's a lot happening. And, of course, Africa has signed some treaty, that free trade charter, that is going to allow them to trade with each other freely, without tariffs. But there's more work in Africa. As I've said, European Union is trying to become like America, which it should. My idea for the world is every country should have that federal system of America. Every landform. Africa, like now in Asia, Asia can even have a federal system. Of course, China does. China has some type of federalism, only that the, it's a dictatorship. It's not necessarily a democracy. But for Europe and Africa, they really do need a federal system to unite them, to, to free people. Because you see, when there's unemployment in one country and there's underemployment in another one, you go to that country. Like in Africa, Botswana has less than 7 million people. And Nigeria has 100 million why not balance the, the whole continent and take 50 million to different countries that have 6 million? You know? With ease. Because that one in Nigeria is madness. It's poverty, crime, everything is going crazy in that country. And so that's what I'm telling you. You can only do that when you are a federal unit, not a national unit. That's why I'm not a nationalist. I'm actually a humanist, global humanist, whereby we do things as a globe, as a world. And in my global humanist system, though I'm not talking about it right now, then we can have our one Washington, D.C. And every country, you can travel to any country, visa-free, no visa because you are a citizen of every state. That's the same way in America. You see, in America, there are 50 states. You are not a citizen of Texas. Even if you live in... You're a resident of Texas, not a citizen of Texas. Okay? You are a resident of Texas, but a citizen of the United States of America. That is the... That's the difference between the federal system of America and the national system of Africa. In Africa, you are a resident of Tanzania and a citizen of Tanzania. Okay. Now, the problem of the citizen is when you go to Kenya, they will treat you as a foreigner. But in America, a resident of Texas can go to Virginia and... He will not be seen as a foreigner because he's still a citizen of America, even if he has gone to Virginia. And this is what I'm supporting, that type of federalism, whereby I can go to Kenya from Tanzania and I'm not seen as a foreigner. I'm seen as a citizen of Africa. I can go to Ghana and I'm not seen as a foreigner. 
I am seen as a citizen of Africa. It's just that I reside in Tanzania. Now, when you have that system, my goodness, you will see the prosperity that America had is what you will have. It's as simple. It's mathematics. Because those, those uh, limitations of nationality, they drag us down. They drag us down. You know, it's, it's madness. I call it madness. I'm sorry. It's just madness. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's finish up and then we are done. I, I had to do this part too because there were parts I forgot. There was something very important that we had to highlight. Of course, as I told you, we're not touching nationalism again. It's the end. This was just to make you understand what are the issues. Now, nationalism is often combined with other ideologies. Now, this is what I wanted to really stress on. Conservatism is national, can be called national conservatism. Socialism can combine with nationalism and become socialist nationalism. Okay? That's what you need to understand. And what happened in uh, Germany, it was a socialist. It started, and it's very weird. I even wonder how the Nazis were, are they even such? No, they can't, yes. Wikipedia can't put that. It's, it is madness that people used to say that the Nazi party was um, primarily socialist. I think they, they just had, they were a workers party. There's something about that that was leaning to, to socialism, but they left. Um, they left it. Because the list here on Wikipedia for socialist, nationalist, left-wing nationalism, that's nationalist socialism, is they are a basic form of uh, nationalism based upon social equality, popular sovereignty, and national self-determination. So basically, what makes the socialist nationalism different from conservatism is the social equality. Okay? That's left-wing uh, nationalism. I love I love the left more than the right personally, uh, because they they value social equality. So, the people who have these include the Indian National Army. Um, then you have Quebec nationalism, Sinn Fein, and then you have Basque nationalism, Catalan independence movement, the League of Communists of Yugoslavia, Malay. And the African National Congress of South Africa under Nelson Mandela. So that's what you need to understand. That is socialist nationalism, left-wing nationalism. And I like it for the social equality. You know, a socialist likes people being equalizing. Even though we are different, uh, you equalize them, you know. Of course, it is an ideal, it's an ideology. You know, ideas, <laughs> ideas are immaterial. What it means, an idea is just a picture. It's not that it's going to happen. It's not the reality. It's just an idea that, you know, we can all be equal. We stay, we get the same salaries, we get, so that is socialism. 
and which was very promoted by Karl Marx. And he wanted everybody to be equal. And he, he predicted, which I feel like may not happen, that the bourgeoisie, the rich, will be overtaken. But I think that is, uh, it's not possible for one reason. The society is naturally diverse. And I think he did realize the diversity system, the rainbow system. We live in a rainbow world. Now, what does it mean to be in a rainbow world? It means we are on different levels of economic uh, capability. There are people who are so rich, you know, you can't even get, you can't even get a quarter of their wealth and you finish them, you see? And there are some people who are so poor, even what they have is not enough for them to live a very good life, you know? So that's, that's a rainbow system. And it's like nature, you know, the elephant is so big. And nobody can miss it. But the ant is so small, you can't even see it. You know? Can you see an ant from where you are? And it's there. It's there, but you can't see it. It's so tiny. And so that's how nature is organized. Diversity. Now, the animal kingdom is diverse, but disorganized. In the sense that they don't sit together to plan how they can live together as animals but the human kingdom we are also animals but we can organize ourselves we can realize the discrepancies in society and try and sort them out so like we can know that there are some people who are elephants in economics and others are ants we can understand we can realize we are aware so that awareness that's where politics was born Politics was born out of the awareness of society, the shape. And then we come and meet together and say, how do we solve this problem? We are seeing there are very few rich people and very poor, many poor people. How do we solve that? So we come up with systems that try and equalize these systems. So it's not that Marx was wrong. Karl Marx was, is a genius. He saw the problem. It's that... His solution was was a bit weird. You know, he he was born, he was living in a time when Europe was having so many revolutions and the French Revolution had already happened and it was the biggest story in the, of the century, the 19th century. Every historian was just romanticizing on the French Revolution, how it destroyed the great French monarchy. They couldn't believe it. And so they were, they were having a hangover after smoking that French Revolution. <laughs> they were still on it. So he was always seeing that to deal with the economic problems, there will be a revolt. People will remove the bourgeoisie. And do you know the mistake? Well, not really the mistake. The guys, the bourgeoisie prepared. They got armed. They got the. <laughs> they got all the machinery to fight anybody who tries to fight against them because 
The bourgeoisie now learned, okay, that's the game. Then let's get power and protect ourselves. So that's what has happened. And now you can't have a revolution. As who? The only place you can have a revolution is at the ballot. You must win the election. You must win the hearts of the people. You must get people to support you. Okay? That, other than that, even if you're calling for a revolution, it, right now it can't work. Because when you, you, will, you have to have the arms, the weapons of that person whom you are fighting. And it's impossible. It's very impossible. You see? That's what you don't understand. That's why revolutions have disappeared. They have disappeared because the powers that be are preparing themselves for... They have already prepared themselves. However, it doesn't mean that revolutions can't happen. I mean, look at Africa. In the army, someone just wakes up and wants to topple the government. You see? So... Even if you have army soldiers, you have to stay awake. You don't sleep that, oh, everything is fine. No, you have to understand that the revolutions are caused because, especially armed revolutions, because of weapons. So, if you're in the, so what does this mean? Anyone who is in the army is watched very keenly because they have the capability of overthrowing the country. Okay? So that's what you need to understand about uh, Karl Marx's dream. It's not that it can't happen. What I'm saying is a bit wishful thinking is that everybody will be equal. No, that one is not there. What you do is those who are weak, strengthen them with social welfare programs. I am a supporter of capitalism, and socialism together the good of socialism and the good of capitalism and so like when you find weak people in the society we will always have weak people for information because there are people who fall sick they are beyond sick you know they can't manage there are people who have low intelligence they can't do hard work that needs um, paper you know they are there what do you do to them? Do you, do you destroy them? No. You support them. You give them money to keep them in their society, to make them engage in the economy. That's what I mean when you give someone money. You know. That's why I support Andrew Young. I, like, I know it's going to be a tall order for him to win. Um, but I support his system because it, it empowers everybody to engage in the economy and i'll talk about this one day when we talk about economics okay that's all i wanted to do just to tell you that you can combine nationalism with every other with any other movement now let's read the types of nationalism and then we will be done okay let's see if they have a list you see how much nationalism is so wide my goodness is just it's just a big topic but we have uh, chosen just to touch movements we are not going into depth it's just it's just entertaining to discuss about nationalism because we are seeing it happening right now all over the world and 
as I've told you, Brexit is a nationalist wave. Trump is a nationalist, is a symbol of the nationalist wave in America. All of these things are happening in the world. What about Africa? Africa already, already has nationalism through tribalism. That's a new one. But it is disappearing because the national identity amongst young people, at least where I, I am observing, um, the young people are being trained to educated. Yes, you have to educate young people. Uh, you have to program them to understand that even though we are different nations, different tribes, different languages, we are able to be one nation. That's now the American nationalism. That's what America did. America is a conglomeration of many tribes. White, blacks, even blacks had, not all the slaves came from one tribe, you know. Some of them came from a tribe in Nigeria, Senegal, like that. Different tribes. And it's that you unite together. Do you know the blacks, if you are a bad guy, you know, a bad sociologist, you just go to America and tell. In fact, that's what's already happening, sadly. Well, not sadly. Let it happen and let them understand. Um... Now blacks are able to know their genetic roots. And they have realized they didn't come from the same country as they were, from which they were enslaved, you know. Some have found their roots in Cameroon. Others have found their roots in Nigeria. Others have found their roots in Ghana. So what has happened is the blacks now are divided. Now a black knows where he's from. Specifically. Okay. So that is what has happened to black America. So gone are the days when a black American is feeling like, oh, I've seen my black brother. I'm very happy. No. Now it's like, okay, I now know where I'm from. I thought I was just a black guy. Now I found out I'm from Ghana. I found out I'm from Cameroon. Oh my God. What should I do? Should I go back to Cameroon? You see, everyone now is... Is, is being is being put in that temptation to go back to their home, which is also a nationalist spirit, whereby you're being told, please go back home, like what they tell the Jews, you know, with Aliyah, that you must go back to Israel, because that's home. That's home. Go back to Israel. And people are like, what I'm happy about Jews, they're like, no, 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 no. I'm not going back. And I, I support the Jew for that. The world is your home. Okay? The world is your home. Do not, don't let anyone tell you that you're not home when you're in, in Russia or Australia. And you've decided to live there. You see, what matters is where you've decided to live. Okay? It's not whether you were born there. It's, I want to live here. Okay? That's what matters. It's not whether you're born somewhere. You know, according to the aliens, you are born in the world. <laughs> they will never tell you that you are born. If you tell them, I'm born in, in Kenya, I'm born in South Sudan, I'm born in uh, Ethiopia. The alien will look at you and just say, what are you saying? I know you're only born in planet Earth. 
Because when we are there, we don't even know your countries. We don't even care. You see? So that's what I'm telling you. Where you live, that is what matters. Where you want to live, that's what matters. You're a white guy, you want to live in Zambia, please go stay there. That's what you want. And nobody should disturb you. That's what you want. You're a black guy and you want to live in Russia, please go ahead. No one should stop you. It's one planet. That's why I told you I'm a global humanist. I believe every... I should walk in any country without a passport. Freely. Very soon, God willing, maybe 200 years from now, you will get a plane to Brazil, no passport. All you do is just say, what's your name? Oh, thank you, human Arthur. You can now enter the plane. And I land in Brazil, and I walk into the shop, and then I say, oh my God, I forgot, there's something I need in Germany. And I take another plane. Oh, human Arthur, where are you going? I need to go to Germany. Where is the, the plane to Germany? Oh, just enter there. You know, all they'll be doing is leading you. There is no need of a passport, no need of a visa that wait in the embassy for 10 days <laughs> to go to a country. What is this? It's madness. Yeah, so so we're getting there don't worry the world is going for globalism and not nationalism nationalism is dying that's why we are talking about it <laughs> okay these are the types of nationalism there's ethnic nationalism there's civic there's ethnic nationalism and we also have civic nationalism this is derived from the where the state is the is the king, and then you have um, there's a lot about that. There's expansionist nationalism. It's an aggressive form of nationalism that has patriotic sentiments and belief in expansionism or recovery formerly owned territories. This is what. Um, This is what happened to Nazi Germany, uh, fascist Italy, even Russia has done it recently when they claimed Crimea. You know, they said, hey, expansionist nationalism, we are going to get our lands back. And that's what it is. Romantic nationalism is an organic, which is a form of ethnic uh, nationalism. Okay, because of stories, you know, the Romantic period was a very colorful period and they romanticized history. And that, you know, like the French, uh, they, they just, uh, like the French Revolution can be romanticized and people, it makes them nationalistic because of the, the feelings of love that that war creating a human being cultural nationalism you know revolutionary nationalism post-colonial nationalism this is what africa and india went through and arabs when they were fighting liberal national liberation nationalism you know left-wing nationalism we've already discussed liberal nationalism 
yes, I like liberal nationalism, where it's a kind of nationalism recently defended by political philosophers who believe that there can be a non-xenophobic form of nationalism compatible with liberal views, values of freedom, tolerance, equality, and individual rights. Yes, I love this word, values. We need to read it on your own. What are your values? Do you value freedom, tolerance, equality, and individual rights? Yes, I do. Then you're a liberal. And so that's what you need to understand. And there are also liberal nationalists. I like that one. I love, I love liberalism. Uh, some parts I love socialism. But I love liberalism. I'm more liberal than a socialist. Yes. I believe my rights should be protected. My freedoms are my freedoms. My individual rights are my individual rights. And no one should violate them. Because I'm not violating yours. Okay, schools of anarchism, which acknowledge nationalism, they also exist. Religious nationalism, this I have discussed about it before, and it's, it's common in the Arab world, you know. And even churches have this, like in America, that's, it's there, but it's not so strong. Well, it's strong. The evangelicals actually believe that they can take over the country for God, you know, and that is religious nationalism. The fact that our nation must be in the hands of God. So people, they are fixated on fighting for the nation's interests for that religious nationalism. But nationalism is also there. And diaspora nationalism, this is where diaspora people create networks um, for themselves. And this is seen with the American Jews, you know, they have APAC. They are in, they're in America, but they, they take care of Israel. They are very concerned about what's happening there. So that is an example of diaspora nationalism. Now, as I end... I want you to understand something about movements. Most movements are not... Okay, all movements are have their negatives, their positives, and their neutrals. Okay? Yes. That's what you need to understand. It is the, is the reality. So, you've got to understand that nationalism has its positives, negatives, and its neutrals. So let's read from someone else <coughs> the positives and negatives of nationalism, and then we'll be done. Now, every, like, as a friend of mine, who I like him so much, Yuval Harari, he is a Jew, and a gay Jew, I like saying that, so that people don't um, attack gay people. I tell them, look at that gay man, he's very clever. So if you want to attack us, please go and, ask, go and meet him first. You know, he's a very brilliant man, and he's the philosopher of the century, and the historian of the century, because he's a futurist, much as he's a historian. 
And he was saying, he did a video that was very confusing for me because I was like, why is he praising nationalism? And it's nationalism that killed Jews, you know. Nazis were nationalists. And I was like, he was talking about the positive sides of nationalism. Then I realized um, he's right to say nationalism is really not that bad. It has uh, positive effects, you know. And so we can go through the pros and cons of nationalism. And then we'll be done. Is nationalism good for you? You know, we have to find out whether it is. So he was saying that, yeah, we have, we have a nationalism that is good. And I agreed with him. So when I'm doing nationalism, please don't. And you may feel like, oh, now he's coming to attack me. No, I'm not. I'm just discussing what you believe, you know, and what, what spirit you have. We all have spirits. Okay, we all have spirits and all of these spirits are movements and some movements are they have more cons than pros like the Nazism. Nazism had more pros, more cons than pros because they were against Jews. They were against gays and they were very exclusive, even though they tried to bring equality. The, the pro was they tried to make Volkswagen you know, the people's car, you know, and they wanted to improve the economy of Germany, but their con was they killed Jews, they killed gays, they, they were discriminative, they were, they were very anti-life, anti you know, they were anti-multiculture, so their, their, their cons were too many for them to be Supported. That's why even today when you see a neo-Nazi, it's like, this guy must be mad. I mean, how do you how can you declare you're, a, you're still a Nazi? There's something wrong with your head if you are a Nazi or a neo-Nazi. So that's what I'm trying to tell you. There are some movements that are very unpopular and they are very, um, they have more, more cons. You know, have you ever seen a rotten... Um, a mango that's rotting or a banana. It is. It's so. <laughs> it's so disgusting. You can't even get something. Of course, you can get something good from it when you smash it, you know, and you throw it in the dustbin. There's nothing useless. That's what I always tell people. Uh, there's nothing useless. So, um, but what I mean is that when it comes to eating something that is rotting you can't and that's how some movements are but majority of other movements they have more pros than cons so you can be in any movement and you need to understand the reason why we have movement scientists is so that you can know what movement you are in and analyze it and ask yourself do i really agree with this guy you see Okay, that's what we mean. So understand that. That's what I tell people. Um, like I tell people, God is good and bad, you know. He has pros and cons. Yes, he killed people. That's a con. 
What's the difference between God killing people in a flood and Hitler killing Jews? There is no difference. <laughs> so that's what I'm telling you. God has pros and cons and, and so do humans. So what do humans do in life? We try to live having more pros than cons. Okay? You try to be kind. You try to help people. You try to respect. You try to to uh, not to discriminate against people. You try and do your stuff. You know, you be a free person. Of course, that's what I'm telling you. Human nature is pro con neutral forever. You see, it's even very it's very hard for people to be um, completely kind, completely good it's is very rare very because naturally we react to situations naturally we meet people who are different from us that's why nationalism is not nice because nationalism believes that we can live in a world that is only my nation that's a lie they you live with different nations so you have to learn how to live with them or else you will fight Yes, you will fight because you can't agree. This guy wants to sleep at 5 a.m. You live in a house, in a room with that person. The person wants to sleep at 5 a.m. So he wants to do work and the light is on. And you want to sleep at 2 a.m. And you're like, excuse me, when I sleep, I need the lights off. And the guy is like, no, it's not my time to sleep excuse me i want the lights off now and then no and then everyone starts fighting that is what happens with the different types of nationalism because people will be like excuse me this is my room and they say no it's also my room we are sharing that's what is happening in the in america it's happening everywhere this is my country no it's also my country you see so you see people are fighting. It's natural. Because you have a different way to do things than another person. So what do you do? You now solve the issue. You can move out. You can, you can make a rule. You can if you can't change your sleeping times and when to do the work, you can change. You can move out. So that's what I tell human beings. That nationalism is just you having your rules and people following. And then you meet another nationalist, a different one, who has different rules. And that's what happens. And then you fight. <laughs> now, the fighting culture has reduced in human beings because of parliament and the House of Congress, legislative houses. You go there. And you go and talk to those people and you argue your point and you tell somebody, no, my point is this. I'm a human being, like what gay activists do. You know, you go and tell them, I'm a human being, I deserve my rights. And the other guy will stand up and say, no, you don't deserve your rights. You see, now, if the war continues forever, somebody is going to leave. Yes, that's what's going to happen. Somebody is going to leave. And it's a sad reality of nationalism. That's like, what's, you see what's happening in Israel? 
I was telling myself, those guys are going to fight in the end. And whoever wins will win the land. That's my understanding. Yes. Because if you, if you don't fight, <laughs> you see, that's what I've told you about the story of the sharing a room. That's what's happening in Israel and Palestine. They are sharing land. And Palestine wants an Islamic system. Israel doesn't want an Islamic system. So imagine you're in a room and you're together. Won't you fight? And that's what happens in Israel forever. But for how long? We do not know. Okay, so um, we were looking for the pros and cons of nationalism and I, I ended up giving another discussion. Uh, I haven't got them very well written out, so I think we can go and um, we can leave it at that. But basically, I was just trying to tell you, every movement has its good and bad. And of course, I don't like calling them good and bad because relativity is what matters. Someone may think that fighting is good to solve problems. Yes, there are people who truly believe that. That fighting is good. I mean, that's what happened even in heaven. <laughs> so it's just uh, it's a funny is a funny uh, world we live in. Okay. I haven't got anyone talking very positively or negatively about nationalism. And, um, of course, I would encourage you to watch Yuval Harari's video on that. Okay, guys, thank you so much for joining us. It has been a very nice time. Uh, just, of course, the, the reason of movement scientists is not necessarily to have a a classroom type of atmosphere it's a it's a discussion type of atmosphere to make you understand uh, the uh, nationalism just to make you think our job is to make you think about the world how do we make the world a better place because your purpose in this world is to make it a better place never forget that get engaged this is what obama said active citizenship Read, study, you know, ask questions, watch political debates. We are making the world a better place and everybody has that job. You have a purpose. Nobody should say you're useless. Everybody's important. And so you, you get yourself important by joining organizations that fight for human rights. Yes, Otherwise, you cannot say, you cannot blame the government for what is happening. That's what John F. Kennedy said. It's not what the government does for you. It's what you can do for your country. You see? So don't wait there and say, oh, the country is so bad. It's so destructive and nothing is working. What are you doing? Even if you don't have a job, you can read. You can go to the library and read and find out and, and talk. That's why we have these platforms on social media. It's because people are reading. 
and people it's for engagement it's for democracy we're building and so that's that's why i'm i'm happy i may have stressful moments i have problems but you know what beats my problems this knowledge because i just read and understand problems and i know you see i know i have my problems but i know why they're there and that's what makes me at peace can you imagine having a problem and you don't know why you have it it's like a disease always know the disease you have you will have peace because you understand it there are people who don't know they don't know the disease they have and what it does to them you know i was telling people they should read mental disorders read them all everything so that you're aware that this disease i have in my body does this how do i mitigate the effects of the disease and you live happily you won't feel um you can live happily with a disease that's my point yes you can be happy because you've managed and you know the disease okay and that's what people need to understand and now people may say oh but what about things like when i'm bedridden in the icu of course that one is understandable you can be happy in that situation of course guys who have arthritis you can be happy but read about it if you have the ability to read the disease you have read and then you will rest yes it is it can be painful but you understand what is happening to your body oh knowledge is key it is what keeps you sane in this world okay guys adios thank you for joining movement scientists every week we cover a movement and this week we have covered nationalism in a philosophical way we are not doing the academic covering that one is up to you to read it is so wide there are people who study political science and they they have these course units that's not our job our job is just to touch touch on the main issues the main movements around the world and one of them which you should be very aware of is nationalism goodbye and see you as we sang with our song um our friend helen baylor we leave you with her music that keeps us um i like her songs as i said in the first video uh um she said in the first video uh i mean <laughs> the first time she sang we put her song we were showing people that um the music she did and the very many jazz artists of that time was very beautiful and i like the song more than a friend uh and that's what we're going to end with thank you so much for joining us on movement scientists See you next time. No friend.
love the ambience. So nice. 